I think every creator kind of goes through this where you tell yourself that maybe you're not worthy if that makes us if that makes sense like you you kind of tell yourself like oh you know i don't think i should be here i'm not that good there's you know all these people are better than me they probably should be doing this and you kind of start to have this negative uh self-talk welcome to the we are photographers podcast from creative live I'm your host, Kenna Klosterman, bringing you true stories from behind the lens and behind the lives of your favorite photographers, filmmakers, and creative industry game changers. From their struggles to their wins, we get the real human stories about why they do what they do. I believe there is something to learn from everyone's story. Listen, get inspired, and discover why in the end, your creative journey is all worth it. Miguel Quiles is a portrait photographer and content creator based out of Florida. He's taught photographers how to improve their work by teaching helpful tips on platforms like Creative Live, WPPI, Photo Plus, and Shutterfest. Miguel is proud to represent brands like Sony and Profoto as an ambassador. And he currently releases weekly content via his YouTube channel at Miguel Quiles Jr. This is We Are Photographers with Miguel Quiles. And this is his story. Miguel Quiles, so fabulous to have you on the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm like super honored and and super excited to be here with you today. Cool. So I want to start out by uh, asking you, what is the most exciting thing that you are creating, working on today? And then we'll kind of go back in time. Sure. Uh, I think today, the thing that I'm most uh, excited about is just continuing down this kind of uh, journey of exploring different types of portraiture and you know, it's weird, like every day, every new photo shoot that I do, it's got its own excitement to it. You know, this this like uh, level of mystery that I'm just really excited to tackle. So it's literally every single photo shoot that I'm doing, uh, just stoked because I'm trying to do something different, trying to do something new and just trying to really kind of push myself creatively this year. So it's like every photo shoot. <laughs> And so is that for um, for these photo shoots, is that part of your pushing yourself to learn something new and doing something new as you're creating content to teach other people as well? That's it's a big part of it, for sure. A lot of my photo shoots, I end up kind of recording behind the scenes footage. Uh, so part of it does become, you know, content that I could teach other people how I did something, uh, because I do feel like when you teach other people the things that you've learned, it kind of reinforces the things that you know. Um, and it also kind of exposes what you don't know. And and it gives you kind of a, an area and an opportunity to grow. So um, yeah, a lot of my photo shoots, I, I look at it as an opportunity to try to, you know, inspire and encourage and educate um, photographers who are coming up. And you know, at the same time, I'm doing it for myself. So it's it's this really cool, I don't know, it's like this really cool thing that, uh, that I get to do. You have an awesome YouTube channel. And I just want to know, like, what inspired you to start that? And what is most um, gratifying for you in terms of the feedback that you've been getting from people? Absolutely. Um, you know, for me, I, I started the YouTube channel with a really simple idea in mind 
when I started as a photographer, I felt like the number of resources that were out there that could instruct me and teach me and how to become a better photographer was kind of limited. Uh, obviously, Creative Live was a big part of that. And I, I talked about that in my uh, class that I did in, on Creative Live, uh, having been a student and then, you know, becoming an instructor. Uh, at the time, you know, Creative Live was one of the bigger uh, resources that were out there to, to teach you and to train photographers. But, um, you know, I wanted to create something that would have helped me when I started out, you know, and, and obviously every class that Creative Live offered at the time, there were some that really helped me and there were others that didn't really pertain as much to what I did. And um, so I wanted to make the type of content that I would have liked to have seen when I started out. And so trying to figure out what that was and, and you know, really trying to think through, like, are there other people like me that would even benefit from something like that? And so, um, you know, now obviously the landscape is really different and there's a lot of people that are out there, but even with the YouTube landscape being what it is, I still feel like there's very few people that are actually teaching. You know, a lot of people are reviewing products. A lot of people are, um, you know, now it's like a personality driven thing. You know, they're doing really interesting things in life. And so we're watching them because of that. And it's a lot less about teaching the little things, you know, the, the little things that I know that I do every time I do a photo shoot that is just like automatic for me. And then I sit and think about it or I'll see somebody else shoot and I'm like, wow, they they do this really differently. Maybe what I do is not so common sense. Maybe there is some kind of method to this weird madness that, you know, I could share with people and, and help them out. So that's really been my passion is just to try to be that person for somebody, you know, and, and in this case, um, in the past couple of years, since I've started to focus on the channel, I've seen the numbers grow and, you know, uh, the videos get more views and a lot more subscribers now than when I started a couple of years ago. So um, it's it's really like a very humbling thing and it's exciting. And especially when you get to talk to some of these people, you know, in, in person and they show you the images and they're like, oh man, this is what my photos look like before I watched your video. And this was so helpful and look at my shots now. And some of them are better than what I'm taking. So it's, it's you know, it makes you hungry and it makes you wanna kind of come back for more. So what I, part of why I wanted to have you on the podcast is just you continue to be this beautiful full circle story and, and that is continuing on to what you're, you know, what you are doing today. But let's, let's go back in time to, uh, yeah. to you being here at Creative Live, even before being here as an educator, but being here as, as a student and where, where were you at that point in your photography career and what was the experience for you and, and what did it change for you? Oh my gosh. So, uh, <laughs> so this is kind of, kind of funny. So at the time I was fairly new, um, very enthusiastic and very eager to want to learn. Um, I'd been following Aaron Nace on uh, Flurn for, you know, as long as I had started, uh, which at that point was maybe a year or two. And so I'd watched his content, really just loved his way of teaching. And it just really kind of just made sense to me. So when I saw he was going to be on Creative Live, I kind of had this like coming to Jesus moment because the reality is I at the time did not travel that much. Um, I had not flown in probably 20 plus years at that point. Like I flew as a kid, basically, where I just can't even remember it. So the thought of flying from 
Orlando, Florida to Seattle for Creative Live was like, oh, I don't know about this. Like, I, I, I love this man, but I don't know that I can handle this cross-country flight. Like, you start getting all this anxiety, right? So, uh, you know, I, I just had this moment where I'm like, hey, I wonder if this is something that I can do. And I uh, talked myself into it. And went out there and it was just a, a really amazing experience obviously he's you know a gifted instructor he's he's just brilliant when it comes to not just photoshop but just as a photographer in general like really talented guy so having the opportunity to to see him and and learn from him and not just learn the technical side of things but also as now as an instructor to kind of see his style and how he communicates with people and you know how he works with people on on the set and so there was just so much that i learned from being in the audience that uh i don't think the average person would really get it if they watched it live you know they, they would get the instruction but they don't get to see how people actually act when the camera's not rolling and so that was um that was an, a, a just a great experience so fast forward to then you're coming back you walk in the door and this time you're the teacher. That's oh, weird. What what was what was that experience for you? Weird. Um, it, you know, it almost felt like it wasn't me. Why? I, I, I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, I think every creator kind of goes through this, where you kind of tell yourself that maybe you're not worthy. If that makes us, if that makes sense, like you, you kind of tell yourself like, oh, you know, I don't think I should be here. I'm not that good. There's, you know, all these people are better than me. They probably should be doing this. And you kind of start to have this negative uh, self-talk. And uh, at that point in time, you know, a lot of this was fairly new to me. You know, the the spotlight, if you want to call it that, was was very bright. <laughs> and so um, o over the last few years, obviously, it's gotten a lot better and I, I've become a lot more centered. But at the time, it's terrifying, you know, and you have all of these crazy doubts that go through your mind. And then you have to remind yourself like, hey, I'm here for a reason. You know, you, you can't you can't make it to this point by accident. You can't do it by hustling people. You know, there's got to be something to it. And so I'm just going to keep being me and keep being authentic. And um, hopefully it works out. And, you know, thankfully, uh, you know, I didn't pass out. I didn't break down crying. It, <laughs> it worked out pretty well. Well, I think you bring up a really important point, And I, I do. We talk about imposter syndrome on on this podcast quite a bit, because like you said, so many creatives whether they're Christina Mittermeier, who has over a million followers on Instagram and is one of my favorite incredible photographers, and she has imposter syndrome, you know, and it's just it's um, it's something that is human. But it we is. don't we don't give ourselves credit for that. I don't know. I feel like the message sometimes is a little bit harder to receive, you know, and then by the time that you actually are at a point where you can receive it, the weight of it sometimes has already just had its effect on people. And then it just takes time for them to kind of dig themselves out of that. So um, I, I, I'm actually very surprised at how rampant it is. You know, I've talked to a lot of creators, a lot of people, Christina Mittermeier, amazing photographer. And I've had conversations with her in the past where I was just like, 
girl, you're amazing. Like, what are you, what are you even talking about right now? You know? Um, and, and I've had conversations with a lot of other people that, uh, went along those same, those same roads. So I'm just like, man, I guess it's just a, a very common thing that, uh, creators struggle with, you know? And if you don't struggle with it, I think that's where it gets scary. You know, that when you, when you're like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm the man or I'm the woman, you know, everything I do, like Ricky Bobby, you know, I just, I piss excellence, you know, when you go to that level, it's like, okay, yeah, you, you, you probably are, you probably need some help. <laughs> you can't see my face right now, but it's, I'm laughing out loud. <laughs> so I think I'm, I'm curious because you have that awareness, if there were things earlier in your life where you had the sort of an experience where you had to realize that your self were doubt your self doubt was getting in the way and and how did you work through that it's it's kind of kind of deep but um so growing up like my my father had passed away when i was uh 10 years old and uh you know all i could say is like he was a really hard man like you know, it was 10 when he passed away and I never called him dad growing up. It was always by his first name, which we both had the same first name, but I called him Mike all the time. And so people always found that to be kind of odd that like, oh, you're calling your dad Mike. Like that's, that's weird or whatever. But, you know, that's just kind of shows the relationship that I had with him. Like he was just a very hard person. And so uh, my mom raised me uh, growing up from 10 all the way up until today. And so she was very busy being a widow you know she was there financially to be able to support me and to uh obviously put food on the table and put a roof over over our heads but when it came to like encouraging me to you know try out for sports or uh you know i used to be really good at video games like i'm still kind of okay but i used to be really good back then and uh you know like a little bit of encouragement maybe I don't know, maybe we'd be on a gaming podcast and I'd be talking about that. But, you know, I just felt like growing up, she she was very busy. And so I didn't always get the encouragement that maybe somebody might have needed to be able to find themselves in a, in a more successful uh, situation. So, you know, a lot of that is is kind of where this came from. You know, I would do something that I thought was great and I wouldn't get that like pat on the back of like, Hey, you did a good job or, um, Hey, that's really great. You know, you, you have a talent for that. You should push a little bit harder and hopefully, you know, that'll turn into something great. So it was, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if that answers the question directly, but I, I feel like, um, you know, it was something that was really challenging. Like I knew there was a need for it. Uh, I think there's a need to hear encouragement and positivity from, you know, those people that are closest to you. And, uh, and I wasn't getting it. Um, the thing that I think was different for me, though, was that to where a lot of people might get down in the dumps about it and get depressed and be like, Oh, man, no one cares about me and what I'm doing. I, I took it more upon myself as like a, a bit of a challenge. Like, okay, I know that there's more that I could offer the world and more that I could offer people. And, um, I'm just going to go about trying to figure out what that is and, and go out there and push to do it. And um, hopefully in time that that will just be a thing of the past. And thankfully, I, I can say at this point as we're recording that it's a thing of the past. It's, it's pretty wild. 
what else were you interested in as sort of in your in your youth days were there other creative endeavors was it always photography um what where else were you finding your creativity in addition to gaming because you've got to you know be creative in how you're playing yeah um i mean it definitely wasn't photography um so there was two things that that really uh kind of was like the snapshot of my you know really all the way up to 30 years old you know it was just my life uh it was definitely video games and i did feel like I was very creative in, in how I played because I, I used to play a lot of fighting games. So I'd play Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. And the way that you could approach those games, uh, you could be very creative. You know, the way that you win could look an infinite number of ways and you could do it in a very, you know, I used to say I would finesse people, you know, and in, in beating them. But uh, so it was playing video games and also playing Magic the Gathering, believe it or not. So I used to be a very... Um, enthusiastic semi-pro magic the gathering player up until uh really up until i decided to start as a professional photographer i mean i literally sold all of my magic the gathering cards and bought my first dslr and that's what started my photography career so wow i think video games and magic the gathering defined my you know 20s my teens and my 20s so when you I mean, so that must have been a really hard thing to sell all of your magic and <laughs> and to get a camera. I mean, was it or were you done with it? No, you know, I, I had this conversation with myself at the time that uh, I, I was doing this with a bigger goal and a bigger purpose in mind. And so it was kind of hard in the beginning because I had just been used to doing things a certain way like every week I would go and play and if there was a big tournament I would either attend that tournament locally or I would travel to go and compete somewhere else always local though I didn't fly at the time and so uh so it was it was hard but at the same time I also told myself back then that if this works out and I'm successful and I could provide an income for myself and for my family that I could buy as many magic you know magic the gathering cards as I want so you know, I kind of used it as a, uh, this is just temporary. And at some point I'll come back into it. And did you? Yeah, sure enough. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I played today actually before, uh, before the podcast. So don't get to go to the store and play as much face to face, but, uh, you know, the internet is great. You can play online. So, so take me into this world because, uh, it's not a world that I know. Right. What is it about, maybe it's Magic the Gathering in particular, mm-hmm. that draws you in? I think it's... Um, and keeps it's you the, there, yeah. It's the strategy, to be honest with you. Um, I'm very fascinated and very intrigued by strategy in life. And so it just so happens that I get to kind of have that experience through playing this game where I get to exercise my strategy. You know, I get to exercise that part of my brain that uh, that I'm just like fascinated by. You know, it's, it's so interesting to me, like the life lessons that I've learned through playing a card game, you know, things that Tell you would think more. like, oh, that's, 
Yeah, like, so I'll give you a great example. Like, this is super random. I was going to make a video about this at one point. I'm going to tell you the story today uh, so that, you know, the creative lo- creative live audience can hear it. But uh, there was uh, this one particular time I was sitting and uh, playing in this tournament. And there was a, a kid, he was a teenager uh, that I was playing in this tournament. And um, he, he was great, like, really good player, um, good poker face, just like, you know, being an older, uh, I, I wasn't that old. I was in my twenties, but I was older than he was. And so at times, like there's a mental aspect to this where like, you know, I'm older than you. And, and so you can almost intimidate people into not doing the things that they might normally do just by the way that you look sitting across the table from them. So I'd give him my mean mug, you know, and, and it wasn't working on this kid, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, so we get to a point where, um, it is, becoming very evident to me that he's going to win this match that we're playing and he's about to win like he's going to beat me uh in this game and so um we got down to this final point in the game and i was going to concede and uh because there was no way i'm looking at the cards in my hand i'm looking at the board and i'm like there's no way that i'm going to be able to stop him from winning in the next like one or two turns so um I, I turned my cards over, I put them on the table, and, and I conceded. And he stopped my hand. This kid was super quiet pretty much the entire time, and he stopped my hand, and he was like, hold on a minute. He was like, I'm going to accept your concession, right? But I want to ask you a question. Do you have cards in your deck that would have changed the outcome of this game in the next turn or in the next two turns? And I, I kind of sat there and thought about it for a sec, and um, and I looked at the table again, and you know the situation was very dire. It looked like there was not going to be a way to win, and I was like, well, I have this one card that theoretically, like I've been trying turn after turn, I'm like, please be this card, and it wasn't that card. And I was like, yeah, theoretically, if I had this one card, I could have maybe uh, prolonged the game for several more turns, and maybe something would have turned out. And he's like, okay, do me a favor, take the top card and pull that top card and wouldn't you know it it was the card that i needed that would have wiped the entire board and it would have bought me at least another six or seven turns and he's like now take the next card and i picked the next card and if i would have played that card i would have been in a very powerful very strong position to be able to win and so i'm sitting here laughing on the inside because i'm just like man this kid is trying to teach me some life lessons here right and he busted out with this quote that I want to say it was from maybe Confucius or something. And he was like, the, and I, I, I can't quote it exactly, but basically it was to the effect that like, you want to quit when, or how, how did he put it? Basically like the, the feeling that you want to quit is always the strongest before you may actually win. So his thing was, don't scoop. And that's the idea of like quitting, like in Magic the Gathering, it's called scooping when you just pull your cards and you've conceded. And so uh, so he told me, don't scoop. And he was talking about the card game, but like I walked away from it with like a life lesson, like don't scoop in life because there's going to be times when you're looking at your circumstances and you're thinking like, oh man, everything is against me right now. There's no way that... I can get out of the situation, whether it's financial, whether it's a, a relationship, and it's always going to be the strongest right before something can happen that could change the trajectory of everything. And so 
he he taught me that life lesson through Magic the Gathering. <laughs> I absolutely love that story, and I look forward to you making a video about it too. Because oh yeah, don't scoop. <laughs> and so I'm curious then, what has been the hardest life lesson for you to learn? Um, I mean, there's been a there's been a lot of life lessons that have been really tough. I think. Um, you know, there is there is kind of a part of this where as you continue to go down the road of being a creator and you have people that enjoy your work and people that uh, kind of follow you uh, and and look at look to you for inspiration. I think the hardest thing really is just um, just trying to live up to the expectations that people have. Um, that's that's probably, I think, the the hardest thing these days, not just for for people you know, on the outside, if you want to call it that, but also like your family who, you know, like I know when I started pushing this uh, uh, content creation and things like that through YouTube that I had family that looked at me like, is this guy working a real job? You know, like, uh, is he okay? It's almost like I told him I went to McDonald's to go flip burgers or something. They're like, oh my gosh, how, how, <laughs> how is this going to work? But, um, you know, so there, there's just this big part of it where you don't want to let people down and all the various ways that you can let someone down. And so, um, yeah, I think that's, that's always a, a thought and it's always a challenge, but at the same time, you know, photography has just been this amazing catalyst for my life. Like it's, it's opened me up in ways that I don't think any other, you know, artistic endeavor would have done it. I've got to sit with people that like, I'm sitting on this podcast with you, like it's crazy, you know? And, uh, I, I've had the opportunity to meet celebrities and photograph them and, you know, call some of them my friend, you know, having people call me that I, I listened to on the radio, you know, 10 or 15 years ago that are asking me for advice on stuff. And I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> this is very odd. Do you, um, do you have a memorable experience like that, that you can share that was, again, that sort of out of body experience? Because I think once you know, it's helpful for people to hear that you've been in one place and then you've got these experiences. Like it can happen to anybody if you're creating the life that you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. I tell people all the time, like if you're if you're wanting to be a, a, a photographer and you are open to all of the possibilities that it can bring to your life, I mean, it's they could be life changing. But I think like the out of body experience that I could remember was um I, I was photographing this uh, Fat Man Scoop was the artist that I was photographing. It was in my studio. I was getting ready to do some headshots. And um, my wife stopped by because she was like, oh, I used to listen to him on the radio all the time. And so, of course, she's like, I'm just going to stop by and go drop something off when I know <laughs> I know what time it really was. But um, so he, uh, he, he goes on to like basically tell her why he hired me and why he loved my work and um so i'm just kind of sitting here and it, it really felt like he wasn't talking about me you know he was like oh yeah you know i had all these people that reached out to me and um you know and and the way that he told the story he told it from his perspective and obviously i felt like i did it very differently but um but it was just kind of this weird out-of-body experience to hear somebody who like i looked up to in that way you know to talk to somebody else about me and say like oh yeah this guy's basically great i'm just like 
I don't know who you're talking about, but that's that's whoever it is. They're probably really, really happy to hear that. <laughs> do you remember what he said? I do. Um, he he was saying that uh, at the time he had posted on social media that he needed somebody to take some headshots, and somebody tagged me because he said he was looking for somebody in New Jersey. And uh, somebody who followed my work tagged me in the post and said, hey, Miguel is in New Jersey and he's great, whatever. And um, so he asked for me to send him an email. So I sent this very simple, very straightforward email. Hey, this is who I am. This is where I live. This is what I do. Check out my work. If you're interested, let me know. And I said it in a very, like when I typed it up, I did it in a very just informal, just, hey, this is who I am and what I do. And as he's relaying the story back to my wife at the time, he was like, oh man, you know, I was thinking like, who's this guy? Like, he's really kind of confident. And he said I was being arrogant. And I'm like, I didn't really see it that way. I wasn't trying to be arrogant, but I think he was kind of surprised at my confidence and being able to uh, work with him and get a great portrait. And I, I kind of communicated that through the email. So it was, it was a very interesting thing because it's not the way that I remember writing it but the way that he received it and the way that he was relaying it back to my wife i was like wow i kind of sounded like a badass there and i didn't even mean to (laughs) i didn't even mean to do that which i think is another important life lesson oh yeah because we don't know how other people perceive us or and it's so important to understand that everybody sees the world and life through their own filter. Absolutely. And you never Absolutely. know what you never know what somebody else is thinking. No, this is this is true. This was one of the topics I just uh, recently put out a video, uh, which I called uh, five more portrait hacks. And one of the portrait hacks that I, w- I would talk about in this video is that uh, you have to be aware of how you are during a photo shoot. And I mean everything, the way that you walk, the way you talk, the way you pick up your camera, the way you turn it on, uh, the things that you say during the photo shoot, um, everything. Like you have to be 100% fully aware of yourself because the way you're being perceived by people, you may not even realize it. You might be thinking, oh, they're busy doing what they're doing. But no, they they see you, they hear you, they and they form these judgments and these opinions. And so it's very important that, you know, I, it sounds very kind of common sense that uh, you have to put your best foot forward and you have to keep it forward the whole time. But for a lot of people, it's just um, like, it's so common sense, sensical that uh, people just write it off, I guess, in a way. So, and it's, it's crucially important, you know, the way that you carry yourself through holding a camera and, and working with people, your results are going to be a direct outcome from that. If somebody perceives you to not, you know, be confident, you don't know what you're doing, or you're just a terrible human being, like your pictures are going to show that level of, of understanding that they have of you. So, um, so yeah, it's definitely one of those life lessons. I think that, um, if, if I didn't know it at the time, I definitely know it now. So how much do you think then that sort of the energy that you put out is what allows that connection to happen within a portrait session. Like what is your approach to connect with your subjects, whether it's a model or, you know, an actor or, you know, whatever it is. Right. 
Um, I think it starts first with just an awareness of yourself. Um, it starts with an awareness of like, you know, how, how do you look when you're talking to people? Um, you know, do you have, uh, uh, as, as, as it's been coined RBF, you know, men and women both, like, do we have that resting business face? Uh, (laughs) in other parts of the world i'm sure the b stands for other things but um you know you you have to be aware of those things because if you don't have that awareness no matter how well intentioned you might be you'll you'll approach the photo shoot and people will feel a certain type of way and there's no way to get them to look good and to break whatever like negative things that they might be saying to themselves in their head if they're looking at you thinking you look mean or you look soft or you look fill in the blank you know so that's it's like crucially important i think it's i don't want to say it's everything because there is definitely a technical component to this but when it comes to taking portraits there's uh, like a social aspect to this that uh, i don't feel like many people talk about it you know and some people just have the personality to where they don't really think about it they're just themselves and it works out for them and they they do great work and then there's other people that they struggle and they buy new cameras and new lenses and new lights and new fill in the blank because they think that's the secret when in reality it's something else you know it could just be that uh you know the person doesn't sound confident it could be that uh they're bossy you know to everyone and people generally don't like to be bossed around or you know it could be that they're creepy I mean, there's some people that just have creepy vibes to them, you know, and they they need to be aware of that and they need to to address that. And uh, it's always addressable. And I think that's that's the good thing. But you have to be aware of it to be able to make those adjustments. I remember we used to get a lot of questions, say, for on on Creative Live classes where, say, there's a male photographer shooting with models and people would ask, well, how do I not be creepy and yeah. and Russ Andes, who was a host at the time, would always just oh, say... I remember Russ. Yep. He, <laughs> Russ would always just say, if you don't want to be creepy, don't be creepy. <laughs> you know, like, yes, yes. If, if you don't want to appear something, don't be it. <laughs> just don't be it. No, but you know what I, I think it is, is that creepy could have so many different forms. And I think, um, you know, I think, again, it's just the self-awareness. You know, I think for me... I, I, so I've, I've been a member of Toastmasters for several years and, um, that's, what's really helped me to kind of break this introverted nature that I've grown up with, uh, to where I can get in front of a group or I can be on this podcast and not trip all over my words. And so going to Toastmasters and, and part of that process, uh, as you prepare for speeches and things of that nature, you have to record yourself. And so I've spent a lot of time, not just through, uh, you know, doing lectures and, and talks and stuff like that. But I record all of these things and then I rewatch it. And I've seen a lot of my videos when I have these behind the scenes videos of how I interact with people and I rewatch those as well. And it seems weird, but I watch a lot of video of myself and I try to understand, well, what would somebody think of me if they didn't know me and they were watching my interactions for the first time? And so I'm very much aware of that. And I think, um, and I'm very critical of that as well, if I'm being honest. Like, I, I try to poke holes at myself to say, where are the areas of opportunity where I can be better, you know, where I could be uh, more confident, more funny, 
more personable, more comforting, less creepy, less angry, less uh, fill in the blank, like all the things that you don't want associated uh, with your personality. So, you know, you have to take account of all of these things. And I think one of the easiest ways is just record yourself, you know, record, especially as a regular, you know, as an everyday photographer, record, have somebody record your photo shoots and watch what you say and watch how people react to what you say. And you can see when people are genuinely engaged with you and you can see the times when they're shaking their head. They're like, yeah, but they're like, oh, this guy's crazy. I need to get out of here. You know, <laughs> you could you could start to read that as you're honest with yourself and you rewatch that footage. I mean, they do it in sports. Why? Why don't we get the uh, the advantage of instant replay? So this is what I love about you is that that just shows how much of a student and teacher you are because you are constantly looking for that improvement but for yourself and so because that takes a lot of diligence I will tell you I have been on camera quite a bit and I do not like to go back and watch myself even though I know that that is how you learn uh, and how you improve Uh, just like with photography or anything that you do like you have to go out there and do it and you have to do the 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 regroup. You have to do the the debrief, uh, and right. that's even more important than the doing. But that's like a step that I don't know. I, I I maybe I don't like to do it because I don't want to look at the the negative parts or what have you. So kudos. No, to I, you. I totally get it. I totally get it. I think most people would feel the same way that you feel about it. I think most people would say, you know, I almost liken it to like health problems. Like my mom for the longest time did not want to go to the doctor. And why didn't she want to go to the doctor? Because she was afraid that if she went, they'd be like, hey, you've got 50 things wrong with you. Meanwhile, there could be a cure for all 50 things. You just need to go see them and let them diagnose you and say, hey, maybe you just need to drink more water or eat some vegetables or whatever and you'd get better. But you, you can't do that unless you are at a point where you can sit and evaluate yourself and, and kind of see that. And so, you know, I was kind of weird. Like my train of thought in life is very weird. And I'll share this this gaming story to kind of tell you where it stems from. But uh, many years ago when I used to play Street Fighter, um, I thought I was really good. I would go to the arcades, my local arcades, and I would clean up shop, right? Um, I joined this service called X-Band back in the day. It was like the earliest form of online gaming that you can get. It was on Super Nintendo, 56K dial-up, like all these people complaining about lag right now in video games, I don't even want to hear it. We were on 56K dial-up modems playing. So I started playing this uh, online network and there was a guy, his name was Dream Theater. I don't know if he's a photographer and if he's listening to this podcast, but if he is out there, I'm, I'm talking about him. So this guy, Dream Theater, was one of the very first Street Fighter players that I played that mopped the floor with me. Like, he made me feel like I didn't even know what the heck game I was playing. And um, so there was a lot of my friends that would watch this game play, and they always tried to play him, and they would lose. And I sat down one day, and I said, you know, I think I could beat this guy, and I think I know how I could do it. And so I got my VHS tape, and I popped it in the VHS, and I started recording my matches with him. So I'd record a match where I played him the way I would normally play him. And of course he crushes me. 
Um, then I say, okay, I'm going to play this next round and I'm going to be super aggressive. Let me see what happens when I'm super aggressive. What does he do? He still crushes me, right? And then I say, okay, I'm just going to run away for 99 seconds, try to run the timer out and see if I can run away. And he still beat me. So then I, I, I got erratic. Let me just do crazy stuff. Like something has to work and he would still crush me. So I started to realize that there was a pattern that he would follow. It didn't matter what I was doing. There was this certain pattern that he would follow that he would make me fall into it and then I would end up losing. I figured that out through recording our matches and rewatching them over and over and over again. I rewatched more matches than I played and I started to pick up the pattern. And so what I did was I started practicing and I started playing other people and I started doing the same thing that he was doing to me, I was doing it to other players. And of course my win record started to get really crazy. I play him one day after months of doing this, right? And I'm thinking, oh man, now this is it. This is the moment that I get to figure out if what I've been doing actually is paying off. And I beat him and I beat him really bad. And the funniest thing happens because he pulls out his um, telephone cable from the modem and plugged it into his phone and picked up his phone and he started screaming and cursing at me. And when he did this, it played over the speakers on my TV. So people in my house were like, what was that? Who's cursing you out? And I was like, oh, it's this guy that I just played. And he was like, oh, you stole my techniques and blah, blah, blah. And just like super upset. And so, I mean, from a very early age, you know, I knew that there was knowledge out there that I could attain if I just observed and I just watched. And that never went away like i still do the same thing to this very day like i rewatch old creative live episodes you know with with people teaching things and i look at not just what they're saying but how they say it and was it good was it bad how could it be better how could you know how could it be more thorough and uh and then i try to implement that myself you know and and there's always you have to take this mindset of just being a student and if you if you could do that and if you could be honest with yourself it's okay to look at your video and be like, ah, you know, I, I wasn't very amped up that day or, you know, I didn't say that as well as I could have said it. It's okay. You know, you, you learn from it and then you do better and that's how you improve over a period of time. And there's a, a, a philosophy that is if you approach life with a beginner's mindset, mm -hmm. that that's exactly what you do. And I think that is one of the keys to, continuing your curiosity, but also just being open always to there being more to learn and that you don't have to be right all the time. Well, if you don't do that, you definitely have a problem. Yeah. Like if you can't be honest and, and know that uh, there are things that you don't know or things that you don't know to, you know, that 100% level, uh, then then it could be a problem. So there's always something to learn. And, and the, the titles don't mean anything. You know, there's going to be your friends and family that are going to tell you, you know, oh, your work is so amazing. You're so good. You're so talented. You're so fill in the blank. And that's cool. And that's nice. But you can't believe your own hype. You always have to don that mindset of a student if you want to continue to improve and get better. And, you know, I'm not a master of anything. I'm just a very curious student. And I think curiosity is the key to life. 
Definitely. <laughs> what a beautiful place to end. Thank you so much, Miguel. I want to make sure that everybody knows how to follow you, where what your YouTube channel is, and just how to uh, not only take in your education, but follow your work and be inspired by it too. Absolutely. Uh, well, I would say the first thing would be my YouTube channel, which is uh, youtube.com forward slash Miguel Quiles Jr. Jr. Um, there you'll find uh, every week releasing tutorials and uh, talking about business, talking about uh, the nuts and bolts of how to take portraits and just improve your photography. Uh, second would probably be my Instagram, which is also at Miguel Quiles Jr. That's usually where I post my latest works. Uh, and then, of course, my website, I do have a blog. I'm going to get better about updating that. But uh, I, I plan on putting out a lot of like gear reviews and things like that through my blog. Uh, and of course, you can get a more uh, holistic look at the work that I'm doing uh, through MiguelKeyless.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Miguel. It has been a pleasure. Thank you. It's been a pleasure as well. I'm Kenna Klosterman, and you've been listening to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. Be sure to follow all things Miguel Quiles via his website, miguelquiles.com, and subscribe to his YouTube channel. At Creative Live, we believe there's a creator and a photographer in all of us, and yes, that means you. If you're looking to get fresh perspectives, inspiration, or skills to boost your hobbies, business, or life, head over to creativelive.com and check out the Creator Pass. That's our subscription that gives you access to over 1,500 classes taught by the world's top creators and entrepreneurs. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review We Are Photographers wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. You can stay up to date with everything happening at Creative Live by following us on social media at Creative Live everywhere. So thank you again to Miguel Quiles, and I'll see you all next week for another episode of We Are Photographers.